or high. This is, um, I uh, went out to play this this afternoon. I thought she was with her, and now she's missing. How old is she? She's eight years old. Where was she playing at? Around the house? Right around the house here. Is she a white female or a yes, black female? she's a white female. What did she have on when she left? She had on a red T-shirt. And, Mama, did you have on jeans? Now, I've been upstairs, Mama. I have searched. Ma'am? Yes. Blue jeans? Mama, did you have on blue jeans? What'd you have on? What kind of shorts? A pair of shorts? She had on a pair of shorts. And a red T-shirt. She blonde hair, black hair. No, she's got uh, reddish brown hair. It's actually a, a brown with an auburn tint to it. What's it's her name? Short. Her name is Maddie. She goes. It's Maddie. What's her last name? Clifton. C L I F is in Frank T O N. When's the last time anybody saw her? What, Mama, what time did I come home from boating? About. 5.30, about 4.30 to 5 o'clock, about 5.30 was the last time we saw her. And I was letting the kids play out here for a little while, and then she just she disappeared, and nobody knows where she's at. Does she have any friends nearby? Did you go check? i got every neighbor out here right now. Okay, the police will be there shortly, ma'am. You keep looking, okay? Okay, do you, right. do you know where I am? I mean, I'm at the corner of Fleetwood and... Stephen is right there. What is it? My husband just came home. And hold on just a moment. Honey, Maddie is gone. No. This call that you just have heard was made by Shayla, Maddie's mother, moments after she realized that her daughter was gone. As soon as the police arrived and the search began, no one could have guessed how terrifying the end of this case would be. Maddie Clifton disappeared on November 3rd, 1990 in Jacksonville, Florida, and the last person that saw this girl was Joshua Earl, who was her best friend. Who was Maddie Clifton? Maddie Clifton was a girl, very cute, sweet girl. She was still not a teenager, but she was very close to become one. She lived with her mother, and they were very close to each other. Maddie had one friend, it was actually a boy, and she was spending a lot of time with him because he lived very close to her house. I don't know how about you, but my childhood was like this. I was spending a lot of time with the friends that were living close by, and probably that was the same situation in your childhood. This is very common that we spend time as kids with kids that just live very close. So November 3rd, 1998, Maddie went to her friend Joshua, and they were supposed to spend time together. They were apparently playing baseball, and afterwards she left and she was going home. But the problem is, she never arrived to her house. Something around five when her mother went back home, she saw that her daughter was not in the house. She asked friends if they saw her. She asked Joshua if he saw her. He explained that she was going home and he doesn't know what happened later with her. She was also talking to the grandmother of the girl and she said she didn't see her. 
So she was not waiting for a very long time and she chose to call the police where she told what has happened. She also said that she arrived something around five, that the shirt that her daughter had was YMCA red shirt with uh, her name and surname on the back. So it was very special because that way, if she was wearing this shirt still after getting lost, that way it would be easier to find her. So the police took it very seriously and they started searching for her, not only them, but also the friends of the family and the family itself. In the area, they started searching in the forest, on the fields, everywhere where it was possible, but they couldn't find anything, absolutely anything even like a bobby pin of the girl. They couldn't find anything, any trace of the girl, what could have happened. So the police obviously was talking to the family, to the last person that saw the girl, which was Joshua. They went to check the house of the family. They went to check the house of the boy, but unluckily they couldn't find anything. Most of the time in situations like this, this is the person that is close, takes the baby. So that's how the few days passed by. They couldn't find anything. The award was $50,000 at that time, if someone will give any information about the girl, but nobody sent any information. There was absolutely nothing, and it was very weird as well. But on the other hand, the police realized that in the neighborhood, there was a man, Larry Grisham, and it was a man who was already 45 years old, and people said that he was spending a lot of time with kids and it was very suspicious. And additionally, 20 years back, he participated in robbery. He was a neighbor, probably he knew what was the girl, where she lived. Maybe he even knew when she was going to school. But when he gave an interview, he said that he has absolutely nothing with it, that this is very unfair that people are saying. So he was not admitting to anything. Additionally, the FBI found an information that he had alibi. So they couldn't do much in that moment, but obviously they kept an eye on him because you never know. There are sometimes cases, those of you who are watching true crime, you know that sometimes there is alibi, but 20 years later, the police is able to prove that it was fake alibi, right? So they kept an eye on him. But on the sixth day of searching of the girl, there was something that changed this case. Absolutely. There was a woman, Missy, she was in her house and then she saw a stain over her head on the ceiling and she thought that probably some of the people who were living with her probably flooded the bathroom because what else could that be? But after a moment she realized that this is not a place of the bathroom. The place of the stain on the ceiling is not a place where the bathroom is located. So she went upstairs and she realized that these stains come from the room of her son. She entered the room and when she was inside, she couldn't believe what she saw. She was in such a shock, she left. She went downstairs and luckily downstairs, when she left the apartment, she saw the policeman. She asked him for help. She told him what she found and he went with her inside the apartment. Later, they stopped in front of the room and he said that she has to wait outside and he's gonna enter on his own. When he went inside, it didn't take much time for him to see what was inside. He saw a body of a girl under a bed who was hidden behind the wooden piece. He couldn't be sure that it was Maddie, but that's what he suspected. The body was in such a weird position that you could still see the hand of a girl like trying to reach to get out of this place. 
Afterwards, there was a lot of police in front of the apartment. There was a lot of people who were looking at the situation. They wanted to know what was happening. And obviously, the parents said that it was indeed their daughter, Maddie. It was shattering for them. It was shattering for the whole community because the room belonged to Joshua, the closest friend of Maddie. And when she disappeared, he was telling that he has no idea where she is. He was searching with other people for the girl. He was sticking the flyers all around the neighborhood. So people were absolutely shocked. And even, and even before they discovered everything that was connected with the crime scene, they took the boy to have a conversation with him and he admitted to everything. He said that that day the girl came to his apartment. He was actually afraid to spend time with her because his father was always telling that he shouldn't spend time with younger girls than him. But even though his father didn't approve that, he thought that he's going to play with her a little bit baseball. So they have been playing and then he hit the ball and it hit her eye. Because of this, she had a wound. She started crying. He was shocked. He didn't know what to do. So he took her. He was dragging her through the grass. And then he put her on a chair in the kitchen and she didn't stop crying. And he was so afraid what is going to happen because his parents are going to come and especially his father and they're going to be so mad so he took the baseball bat and he hit her she fell on the floor he put her under the bat his parents came, came back home and then he realized that she was still mumbling he went back to his room and he used the sharp object that I'm not going to tell what was the object because the YouTube doesn't like the word and he used it and he made few wounds on her body and because of this, the girl deceased. So after this, when he said that, the police checked what was happening in the place that they found the body and it didn't match. It didn't match at all because she didn't have down part of her clothing and at the beginning they thought maybe there was some sexual act but actually there wasn't. But the boy said that she lost the clothing because he was dragging her through this grass but if it really was like this, she would have the pieces of the grass or the soil on her body and she didn't have anything like this. Moreover, she didn't have any wound on her eye and the wounds that she had on her chest and the area of the neck were so shocking, so deep. So they asked the mother of the boy if she knew anything and she said absolutely. She was not aware of anything like that. But on the other hand, she understands why her son would say such a thing. He's afraid of his father because she knows that her husband, he really doesn't like the girls, younger girls. And in my opinion, it's very suspicious. But the police was not able to ask him about this because in 2000 he died in a car accident. So this is not explained why he was telling his younger son not to meet the girls. There's an idea that can suggest something, but I'm going to tell you about it later. And so they were not able to know why he was not telling, why he was like this towards his son. And one of the worst things, I think, is that he was sleeping for those six days over the corpse. This teenager boy, he was sleeping every night and he was using sprays with a smell in order for his parents not to know what was happening inside his house. 
That's dreadful, absolutely dreadful. So he went to the trial. It was only three days that it lasted. And he got a life sentence with no possibility of parole. But in 2017, the judge said that it was unfair that he was treated that way because he was still a teenager in that time when he was condemned. So they opened the case again, but it was only worse for the guy. He wasn't a teenager anymore. He was an adult man already. And they found out that this day when all of this happened, he was searching for the content online for the adult people that was connected with domination, younger girls. And the police came to the conclusion that it was the reason why he did that to his friend. But you know, when I think of it, I don't believe that kids are doing such stuff, only watching online things. I believe that his father, he actually might have done something and the son might have seen that. And maybe because of this, he did this thing to his best friend. That's absolutely shocking. He's in jail right now and hopefully he's gonna stay there and most probably he will stay there till the end of his life. Thank you very much for listening to this case. I hope it was interesting for you. I hope that the time has passed for you faster, whatever you are doing. I hope you are going to have a great day and you can watch some other videos that are going to be here or here or here or here and see you in the next episode. Ciao. Beijos.